silly is that? What are we talking about? Let's go do basketball. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Hoop Dreams, the basketball podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. I'm your host this week, John Opeck. And a few days ago, I had a great chat with Brendan White about the Southeast division of the NBA with our season preview. But just last night, or yesterday, I should say, I went to the Australia versus Team USA exhibition game for the FIBA World Cup in Melbourne, and I thought it'd be great to open the episode by talking about my experience there, because not only was it a chance to see some NBA talent uh, in the flesh, but it was also a momentous, historic occasion. Australia broke its 66-game losing streak against USA and handed them their first basketball loss since 2006, which was amazing to be in the building for, even though I was way back in the third stand of Marvel Stadium with a capacity, or not quite capacity crowd, but the largest crowd that's ever witnessed a basketball game in Australia. It was 52,079 people. And yeah, it was just a really great experience to go along with my wife Hannah and some friends of ours. And yeah, just to be there for that event, it was insane just watching the game unfold and going in really like Hannah said to me who's going to win and not really being a huge basketball fan and I just said to her USA like they don't lose <laughs> you know it's like the Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals basically and you know it is a, a USA team that's without its best talent uh, the, the best player on the squad is clearly uh, Kemba Walker or Donovan Mitchell then you've got some guys like Brooke Lopez and you've got some other guys like Harrison Barnes and Jason Tatum Jalen Brown it's a lot of young talent from the NBA, and although they might not be franchise names, they are still, of course, NBA talent, and Australia was without its best player in Ben Simmons, but really showed that they're a team that has chemistry and has played together for many years, most of these guys, with amazing performances from Patty Mills, especially scoring 30 points, including 10 straight in the last quarter, and... Uh, a really great performance from Joe Ingles as well. He had seven assists, I believe, and shot the ball pretty well. And it was really, I was really impressed by the interior defense from Australia, especially towards the end. Uh, we weren't able to hit threes for pretty much the first three quarters, and it just seemed like USA watching those guys, especially Kemba and Donovan Mitchell, they needed almost no space to hit jump shots, and pretty much every time they tried to get free for a jumper, they hit it in the first half, and that was what kept them in the game. But as I said, it became clearer and clearer that we were in with a chance as we got towards the end of the game because we were sticking right with them, if not leading by one or two points at different stages in the game. And it just, the surge that we expected from Team USA never came. They never went on like a 12-point run, although they did get up by 10 points and Australia did a great job to fight back and and kind of take it right down the line in the last quarter. But man, the performance from Paddy Mills is something to be marveled at. He's a guy that you know he's legit because of what we've seen him do in the NBA Finals is a good example. He hit big shots for the Spurs in 2014, and he did the same thing yesterday. He took over, and after a few bricks in the fourth quarter, he just went on that streak and kind of brought us home. But it was really a team effort, and was a great defensive showing from the team and it just shows that you know as much as it's a foregone conclusion that USA will win the World Cup or win the Olympics or whatever it might be it's really not when you don't send your best talent and we were without Ben Simmons as I mentioned just a few days ago we lost to Canada which is without its NBA stars as well so it really is a crazy thing international basketball at the moment when 
you have teams like Australia and I guess Lithuania and some of these other clubs who have been playing together. They've got the chemistry built up over a long time, whereas I think USA has a lot of young guys that, apart from having a few Celtics on the squad, probably haven't really played together at all, let alone played under Coach Popovich and Steve Kerr, uh, who are the, the main coaches there with Jeff Van Gundy. It was great to, to see them on the floor and I wonder how Paddy's uh, training camp preseason interview is going to go with Pop after that performance. But anyway, I don't want to focus too much on the negative stuff. There's obviously been a lot in the press if you're in Australia about the seeding debacle and people comparing these two exhibition games to the Fire Festival. I think that's, you know, it is relevant. It's not anything to do with the basketball, though. It's a kind of a separate issue. And as far as where I was sitting, it's an amazing event that we're pretty fortunate to have come down here and it may not have lived up to the hype as far as seeing these NBA talent that were promised to come over but getting a win over USA you can't really ask for much more than that so all in all hopefully it's one step closer to Australia getting its own NBA game you know they're going over to London they're doing games in China sometimes so hopefully it shows that you know 52,000 people come out there's a demand for them we obviously have NBA Australia and some good work happening there with people involved and promoting the game here. It's grown so much. There's so much enthusiasm for the game. And I, yeah, just think it's an amazing thing for Australia. So that's my little wrap of Team USA versus Australia. Aussie, 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 we did it. And I'll throw it back to the regular episode of Hoop Dreams with my co-host, Brendan White. Let's go do basketball. We're talking NBA season preview. And I'm your host, John O'Peck, this week. Not Matt Tilby. He's away. He's working on his three-point game. And in his place, well, it's one of the regular hosts, but he's been away for a bit. Brendan White, the best beard in the business outside of James Harden. How are you doing? I am doing great. Well, uh, complete honesty, I am feeling very average. I have got <laughs> food poisoning. Um, I am pooing and spewing like there's no tomorrow. My uh, my bowels are as good as some of these uh, propo- projected records for the teams <laughs> we're going to talk about today this year. So, um, but I'm doing. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, you're here. You're here. We are. Unlike Tilby, Tilby soft. You <laughs> That's know. That's it. He's wherever he is. He's where he's meant to be. And uh, you sound fine, which is the thing that matters. And that's because we're sitting here. We're powered by Audio-Technica. Got these sweet mics keeping us sounding like we haven't just been throwing up for the last five days. So perfect. Shout out to Audio-Technica. <laughs> so this is the MEGA Southeast Division preview. Uh, it is definitely the ugly duckling of the Eastern Conference. And for that reason, it might be even maybe more fun to talk about some of these teams because... There's not much happening out there. I mean, we've, we've got some sides that will contend for the playoffs. I think especially Orlando, who made it last season, and Miami, now that they've added Jimmy Buckets out mm-hmm. there. But, you know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of... Are they going to re... Are they rebuilding? Do they need to rebuild? Have they finished rebuilding? It's a lot of that in this discussion, so... 100%. We're, we've got to try and be optimistic for some of these franchises, I think. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of talking of the future and draft picks and up-and-comers and things like that. So, uh, yeah, the the Southeast, it's it's certainly nothing to uh, hang your hat on pride-wise that they're going to be locks to do anything of note, but we'll, mm. uh, we'll make hay while the sun shines here. Yeah, and I mean, we started with the Atlantic Division. That was probably with the most heavy hitters, Central was last week and maybe one 
like the, the Pacers, that's one team that we can count on to do well. The Bucks, obviously. But uh, this is the one where it's kind of flipped around the opposite direction. So let's kick it off in no particular order with the Charlotte Hornets, who had a mediocre, in the purest sense of the word, season last year. They did okay. They didn't do fantastic. Uh, Kemba Walker was very much the team's offense and really the only kind of highlight to look forward to, I guess. And they've very much gotten completely worse. <laughs> yeah, in a in a very, very big way. Like you look at the additions and subtractions here, like Terry Rozier is the only addition uh, this mm. year outside of obviously their, their three draft picks. But yeah. Kemba is a huge, huge, huge loss. Like Rozier is not a bad point by any means, but he can barely sort of tie Walker's laces, I think. I love Kemba Walker as a player. Mm. Uh, just that instant offense and the ability to distribute. Like, I think probably Rozier is better as a like a passing-based point guard, but yeah. the offense that Walker will bring uh, to the Celtics and that's now since been removed from the Hornets is... I don't know where they're going to fill that void from. Like, Batum's old and broken. Bridges can do some decent dunks. Kid Grillchrist has just been an absolute dumpster fire of a pick since going. What was it? it was second overall, wasn't second, it? Second, yeah. Yeah, like it was. Uh, it's tough sledding down there in Charlotte. Like I like that they're the Hornets again and the Bobcats, but outside of that, I don't think there's much to cheer about down there in Charlotte. Like they've got some great barbecue, um, mm. but yeah, man, I'm not feeling too positive about their their outlook for the nineteen twenty season. Yeah, I mean, there was some, I guess, moments of, of kind of things looking up with Malik Monk coming in and being a guy that might be able to turn into a, a decent player, but it's not happening yet. And, you know, despite MJ and his presence there, I don't know, he's, he's one of those guys that's much like LeBron, I think, not the best evaluator of talent despite his immense skill in the game in mm -hmm. his time. But yeah, Terry Rozier, just as, as one guy, I think he's the kind of player that you'd love to have as a backup point guard. Like you really would be stoked to have him as your second string point guard. But yeah. running the floor when his best offensive option is, uh, I don't know, is it Batum? Is it Miles Bridges? Is it Cody Zeller? It might be Marvin Williams. It might be the <laughs> old man playing power forward. Like it's Slim Pickens down there in Charlotte. Another number two pick. I maybe, think. maybe Malik yeah. Monk. Is becomes the offense like he was in his college days. Maybe mm. he he sort of has has a bit of a sort of a turnaround in the, in his third season. But yeah, I ain't holding my breath. That's for sure. Yeah, I think he really needs to continue developing, and maybe it's time now that they're not going to be contending. It's time to give him a really good run. Maybe move him up the depth chart and let him get some pretty heavy minutes to see what he's capable of. Yeah. Do you think that uh, they're the worst team in the East? Is my question. I I think so. Like, it's it's probably narrow though. Like, depending on which way the wind's blowing, the <laughs> Wizards could potentially be down there too. Like, I love me some Beal, but that team just seems to be an absolute mess, and we'll talk about yeah. them more later. But yeah, I think just looking at that roster that Charlotte's going to be peddling out there uh, for eighty-two games this year, uh, I could see them winning you know, sub 25 games this season. Like, mm. and that's maybe yeah. being a little bit generous. <laughs> like it's, it's going to be some tough sledding for these guys. Like there's just no offense. Like you look at that roster, there's no one there that I think is going to be able to give you 20 plus on any given night. Like Lam Lamb was no superstar, but you know, he could, he could at least sort of put the, put the ball in the hoop and Parker was good there for some vet presence, but 
yeah, this this team's going to be doing a whole lot of not much. Yeah. And I mean, we do have the addition of the number 12 pick in PJ Washington, but even him, you know, he's 20 years old. He's probably not NBA ready as far as being able to come in and completely do what they've brought him there to do eventually. So, yeah, he doesn't look bad, Washington, but yeah, he's he's no savior for this franchise, mm. that's for sure. That's right. So, I, I think they will be the worst uh, performer in the East. I mean, it it's a tough one because, it, like you said, it could swing quite badly for the Wizards and we'll get to them soon. It could swing quite badly for the Knicks and it's going to depend on, I guess, some of those mid-season changes like trades and deadline deals and that kind of thing. See who mm. really trades it in for picks or, or tries to, to put it into the tank. So let's go on to the Wizards. I think that... Um, they will probably win more games than the Bobcats as is. I had the Bobcat. Oh, sorry, the, to the Bobcats. The Hornets. How dare you besmirch <laughs> their fine name? The, sorry, Larry Johnson. Uh, <laughs> the the Hornets. I think they'll probably win about twenty two games, and I've got the Wizards down for twenty nine. I think, but there's a very good chance that something happens to Bradley Beal. Not anything nefarious. Yeah, that, <laughs> I think they, they, they got to trade him, man. They got to trade <laughs> yeah, him for. Yeah, I think that he'll be gone. Yeah, I think that it's probably put up or shut up with him as far as his career goes. Because every year it's like, is this the year Bill breaks out? Is this the year that he becomes, you know, an All NBA talent? Whether he makes the team or not, it's not really the point. Just do we see that from Bradley Beal? And he's shown really great flashes of being a player that you could build around. But on the team like this, where much like the Bobcats, uh, <laughs> much like the Hornets, uh, it's really slim. Like Ish Smith is one of the bigger names on the team. And, you know, Thomas Bryant's a great young talent. Isaiah Thomas getting added to the team is going to at least help with some of the offensive load as we wait for John Wall to recover still. But yeah, I, I just don't see this team doing much. Even with Beal there as a potential all-star talent it's not going to be a team that wins anywhere near enough games to be on that fringe of the playoffs yeah like if, if they trade Beal early or like this they sort of mail it in early this team could win less than 20 games easily if he goes because obviously mm. they're going to be rebuilding for the future with picks and young players if they sort of bounce Beal out of town but like I didn't mind them like the draft pick they grabbed at 15 like Hachimura he looks like he's got some potential. Like he's he's a big body, he's long, athletic. He seems like he's got a good motor, so he'll sort of fit mm. in and maybe give him some energy. I'm assuming he's going to start for him. Like you look at the rest of their team. Like I don't think they're going to be playing him off the bench. Like he's probably going to be playing, yeah, sort of that power forward or maybe small forward, depending if they want a little bit more length at the three. But yeah, this team is. Um, it's not going to be doing too good. It's going to be playing for those ping pong balls at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, the the Wizards there, they went from, you know, one of the constant upper echelon teams in the East for several years with a healthy wall and Beal. Hmm. And, you know, they had a pretty... And even like Otto Porter was there. They traded him for two cents on the dollar. They um, What was the other guy's name? The other young guy that was similar to Porter that went to the Suns. Kelly Oubre Jr. Yeah, Kelly Oubre. Like Kelly Oubre was a good, another good young piece that they they seemed to trade away for two cents on the dollar. Like they even lost Jabari Parker. 
like who could have been a reclamation <laughs> project that you know if he got extended burn in the starting lineup for the wizards could have put up some numbers at least but yeah like they lost I mean, a lot of pieces man that was never going to be i think a long-term deal with with uh parker being that throw in when the bulls uh made the made the move to get otto porter jr i think that's how that happened but yeah it's um it's it's not great. I mean, they do have a guy with a name like Admiral Schofield, which I think is at least something for the uh, commentators to to enjoy screaming. Hundred percent. He as, feels <laughs> like he's straight out of a game of Cluedo. That guy. Yeah. But the question I think is if they are going to blow this up, which is probably the best way to go ahead. Mm. Can they get rid of John Wall's contract, or is that completely untradeable? Because <sighs> we've got another four years by my calculation. He's making. 37 million it goes up every year by 3 million until 2023 which is when he'll be making 46.8 mil and it that's is, it's the worst contract in the NBA yeah um, definitely i i don't think like we've been around sport enough to know that no contract is untradeable like there will be a team that could take that if they can get the necessary value back hmm. but i just wonder at what cost it would be to the wizards to to trade away john wall like like packaging him and Beal together is a massive amount of salary going out for one. So the team that would have to take that on board would need that cap or to obviously give subsequent value back. But maybe you'd have to give away a wall with like someone like a Hachimura or future picks. Like it might be a couple of firsts almost with John Wall just to get out of that contract because it is filthy. Yeah, you'd really have to be taking back a similar bad contract just with less years on it, I guess. And I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. There's there's trades that have been called un un sorry. There's deals that have been called untradeable before, like Joe Johnson back in the day when he was in Atlanta, and we found that there was a buyer in uh, in Brooklyn, and it just seems that these things inevitably happen if they aren't able to get bought out. And I don't know, like, is John Wall cooked? Is he done? Like, we know that he was at a pretty elite level before the, the couple of injuries he's had, but he hasn't played for a full season. And the season before that, he only played half the games. He's not expected to be back until January this year, I think, at whatever yeah. <laughs> level he's playing at. And we did see his stats drop off after signing the contract. So... I mean, I like to think that there's something left in him. Maybe the Wizards want to see what he has this year, and then that's still giving them, I guess, next off season to to shop, shop him around and afterwards to yeah maybe rebuild a bit of yeah. their value. Like, because he was a hell of a talent. Like, he was one of the best points in the game when he was uh, healthy and in his prime. Like, he's still he's still not over the hill age wise. And and you look at some of these players where you do think they could like look at Derrick Rose. You know, he's he's sort of in the twilight of his career now, but he's had a bit of a renaissance the last couple of seasons after just injury after injury and getting bounced around the league and, and now he's he's gonna be doing some doing some things again after a you know solid season that he just had this past year. So all hope's not lost, but yeah, you it's certainly stacked against him, I think that's for sure. Yeah, I think that his value is definitely at an all time low right now. And you're right, like, it's probably worth bringing him back to boost his value a bit more, see what he's got, even if he comes back in and averages 15 points and is only capable of, of playing that kind of, like, 25 to 30 minutes a game mm. as he recovers. I think that that's still going to do a bit more than than what it would be to just blow it up with Beal and him 
straight off the get-go. And I think that it might also be something that they can use to uh, draw in free agents, whether they're not they're not going to get any big-name free agents, but they're at least going to be able to fill in some role players over the years with the, the you know, the rookie signings they're able to make. And it, it might be that that's the way that they kind of plan like a three or four year plan. Like by the time that Beal, uh, not Beal, it, Wall's contract's coming to an end, they hopefully will have some rookies that uh, are able to take his place as that franchise player. So yeah. not looking good for the Wizards, but uh, yeah, fingers crossed that they can do some magic in the front office. You'd hope so because it is looking very bleak there. <laughs> very, very bleak. It is. So we're going to head over to Florida and look at Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler was the big signing. He got his deal that he wanted. He got to go to a team where he's the man, which disappointingly is seemingly all he really wanted. Not the uh, not the manifesto that he, he originally was kind of touting when he was in, in Minnesota of wanting to play with winners and wanting to play with people who you know, cared as much as him. Because I feel mm-hmm. like he had that in Philadelphia and he kind of threw that away just to have his own franchise in the son of South Beach. So what do you think he can do in Miami? Yeah, like it's... I, I've got a little bit of a ill feeling towards him these days. Like I've said, I know the guy, but <laughs> exactly what you just said. Like when he first came into the league, like he was a second round pick, just grinded his way into superstardom with the Bulls and you know, strong-armed his way out of there and strong-armed his way out of Minnesota. And, and you like it, it seemed that, yeah, he genuinely wanted to to try and become something special and be a winner. But, yeah, just to pack his bags to go to Miami to get that big chunk of change and be the alpha dog, like, you know, you've got to put your ego aside in this if you want to be successful. And I don't think him and, and Dragic are going to move that needle there. Like I still see him finishing with a positive record, maybe you know, 45, 46 wins. I think I had him projected for, for this season, but like looking at their lineup, um, yeah, it's, it's not too amazing. Like I like Butler and Dragic together. Bam is a, a you know, young up and comer at the yeah. center spot. But outside of that, it's just a bunch of dudes. Like Winslow's never kicked on. Uh, obviously, another highly touted rookie that's been getting a lot of minutes, but just can't seem to find any form of offense in his game in any way, shape, or form. Like Myers Leonard's not too bad a pickup. I think that's probably a bit of a sneaky, sneaky grab for the Heat as well. Um, yep. And then Waiters is is he still a thing? Is he gonna be able to give him fifteen <laughs> plus? Like. He's shown bursts of it, you know, that offensive ability, and maybe he could become a bit of a sixth man for them, um, giving him some instant offense off the bench. But yeah, the Heat, like, they're not a contender. They certainly mm. are not a contender. Like, they're fighting for that seven, eight spot in the East, I think. Um, maybe the sixth, depending on how the dominoes fall. But yeah, I like their team better with, like, Whiteside and Richardson and, and some of that other depth they had. So. It's definitely a side with like a lot of potential if things all go well. Like a lot of those guys you mentioned are players that things haven't really panned out the way we hoped. But I guess there's always the chance that Jimmy Butler brings an edge to the team. Maybe as the alpha dog there, his personality and his, I guess, commitment to the way he plays, you know, maybe that rubs off on people that need it, whether it's Justice Winslow or someone like Dion Waiters because like Waiters you just don't know what you're going to get with him mm. that's the thing and 
like we've seen him when he's in shape, when he's motivated, he can bowl, but then he'll turn up looking yeah. more swollen than swole. <laughs> he and, he uh, ain't part of muscle watch, that's for sure. <laughs> no. With, with waiters, it's just weight watch, you know, <laughs> and yeah. you, you don't know what you're going to get. But I, I think that Jimmy is like really one of those two-way players that can lead a team and he's the kind of guy that can take over in playoffs. So even if they... Uh, do scrape in at seven or eight. I think that they'll do a bit better than that, but he's the guy that can kind of cause an upset and can go on a run and, and maybe give one of those higher teams a, a bit of a uh, a push, especially if they're facing any kinds of, of injury troubles at the time. Like That's kind of the best-case scenario for Miami is a, a first-round upset against one of the higher-ranked yeah, teams. Yeah, I could see that. Like he, he gave my Raptors some fits in the finals mm. this past year. Um, he's And he's got that sort of game-breaking ability. Like He's a complete player. Like I love him as a player. Like He's he's one of the best in the league and can defend multiple positions. Lockdown defender, can shoot, can jam, can distribute. Not too bad as well. Like I love his game. Um, but yeah, I just don't, looking at this team, I don't see them advancing past that first barring some kind of injury-laden sort of upset. Like Dragic, I loved mm. him when he was way back at the Suns back in the day, but he's another guy that just seems to be eternally carrying injury, some form of injury. Like he's always hurt. Yeah, he's got some years on him now. Yeah. Like he was kicking around when Steve Nash was in the league and playing behind him. He's 33, so... yeah. When he's your second best player, there's not a lot of hope for you, I think. And I think the Heat really do need to add a second guy. Do you think there's any room for them to find that uh, 1B to, to Jimmy as the 1A? Because it really has become a league of duos and NBA GM combinations with uh, what we've seen. The front office would certainly need to uh, run it by Jimmy first, that's for sure. Like <laughs> yeah. He'd have to get like give them written approval and consent that, yes, you can go make a trade for player X. Like. Mm. If, if they want to take that step, they'd need to. But like looking at their roster, like what do you do? Is it going to be picks? And like people would want Bam for sure. Like he's mm. he's their sort of crown jewel. Like Tyler Harrow, the guy they grabbed at the back end of the lottery, I think what they have the 13th pick. He doesn't look too bad and he's not a bad shooter. But Bam, I think, is the, is the piece that people would be wanting to go back the other way to grab that stud but i'd prefer to just sort of ride it with bam and see if he can take that next step because he's a he's a very talented big man he's one of those few young guns that i was talking about in the last episode that did come across for the fever world cup Mm. so nice going bam you're a good fella (laughs) i think that that could be maybe a good step in his development maybe the the recipe for a bit more of a breakout season than we've seen in the past so I had the Heat slated for 44 wins. Uh, I think you said kind of 45, 46. Yep, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, someone has to win games out in the East, mm-hmm. and especially in the, this division, like when they're playing each other more than more than others. Then, yeah, there's a lot of wins to be grabbed. <laughs> we will move on to the Magic. And do you think, I know we've got a, a side here that made the playoffs. They didn't kind of make a lot of changes they had one draft pick they waived timothy mozgov and they added alfarik aminu and josh mcgetty pretty much staying pat with what they had last season do you think they've gotten better based on i guess the talent that's continuing to develop or is it going to be basically more of the same um i i think them taking a further step will 
rest on if Markel Fultz can become anything. Mm. I think he could be quite the little wild card there for Orlando. Like first overall pick a few years ago, um, highly touted out of college, and then obviously went to Philly and all kinds of nightmares ensued for a while and they tried to rebuild his shooting stroke about 65 times. But if he can come back to resemble something that he was out of college, I think he could be special. Like Augustine at point is all right, but I think someone if you get someone like Fultz there um, to, to run that point for them would be really nice to see. Like... They've got some good depth at sort of the the three four five, but in that um, sort of point guard shooting guard space, they are a little bit thin. Like mm. Terrence Ross is nothing special. He'll he'll he's got the ability to drop fifty on you, but then other games he'll drop eight sort of thing. So yeah. <laughs> him and Fournier, like old Fournier, seems to have just fallen off the wagon as well. Like a couple of years ago, he was on the up, but last year he was just average offensively and defensively compared to years past. But yeah, Al Vucevic and then Aaron Gordon. I think those two at the power forward and center spot are you know, still core pillars. And obviously, mm. um, Nicola got the contract extension. I think they signed him like day one of free agency. Like yeah. <laughs> one second after it opened up, he was locked down for what, four four years, 100 million, I think? Something like that. It was a it was a very nice deal for him. And kind of they, they kind of had to grab him. They were in... A, bit of a situation like charlotte not quite as bad with with what uh they had to do with kemba like sign him or let him go but i think they made the right decision to keep him and continue to be a contender with their kind of their most productive player on the franchise rather than just letting him go because they didn't want to pay exactly what he was asking for but yeah i think the thing with the magic is that like you said they've got some guys there that have room to develop. Markel Fultz is a bit of a coin flip as to which way his career is going to go at this point. He could be out of the league in two years yeah. or he could be making his way into becoming a serviceable, if not starting point guard, then definitely a backup point guard. Like I think at this point, they'd be happy for him to be the sixth man. If he's a productive sixth man, then it's worth having him there. And that's where I think Mo Bamba's development also is going to come into it because... As a rookie, like he he was he was fine, like he was serviceable. Mm-hmm. You know, he put up about six and, and five and a block or a block and a half. And I think that a guy like him, you know, we've got him on Muscle Watch as well. Uh, that's the type of guy that coming in as as more of a defensive presence than what Vucevic is going to be. And Vucevic being able to play power forward then suddenly you can shift Aaron Gordon down. To the small forward, yeah. Yeah, you've got such a, a stronger lineup with uh, with Mo Bamba being a productive player. So we'll see how his development goes too. I think that's going to be a, a big part of whether they can do more than what they were able to uh, the past season. I, I like the sounds of that lineup. That like just sort of shuffling uh, Vucevic to, to the four and then Bamba just being that presence in the paint. Like what yeah. um, Bismack was when he was in Orlando for a while there. Like just just be there, block shots, get some rebounds, you know, clean up, clean up around the paint, and that's your job. Like just have Mo Bamba, yeah, just guard that ring and distribute out to the bloody three point line when you're grabbing those <laughs> rebounds. Yeah, and like in a perfect world, if Fultz rounds into a average starting point guard, then you've suddenly got a pretty good lineup with Fournier there as well. I think that. You know, there is a world where the Magic are perennial all, uh, not all-star, perennial 
playoff contenders for the next few years. Mm. And it really hinges around the, the young guys continuing to improve. Like Aaron Gordon's a guy that we thought would have probably progressed more than he has by this point. And he's shown flashes of being able to do different things. But I think he's been too focused on like playing in a style that's outside of, of what he does best. He's pretty much becoming Blake Griffin. Like yeah. he reminds me so much of Griffin in his play style and just he's all about those highlights, all about the the sort of um, posters and, and the dunk comps and stuff. But I love him. He's still got so much untapped talent. What is he, mm. 22 or 23? Like he's still a young fella. Yeah, I think it's been three seasons since the uh, infamous dunk contest. So he's got to be at least, yeah, 23 or 24, yeah. I think. Yeah, so we'll and see. He was he was hyping a potential rematch with Zach Levine this year. So nice. Whether whether that's just all talk or there's something behind it, I think everyone will be paying money to see that. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. But I I, I see him probably coming in around where they finished last year, like positive mm. win loss ratio. Maybe they go to 43, 44 wins somewhere around there. I don't see them declining because they are just bringing them all back for another round. So. Yeah, I could see him around that 43-44 mark for the for the win-loss. Yeah, I had 42 just behind Miami. Do you think it will be Miami taking the Florida showdown? Um, Sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, by, but it's going to be going to be close. Like it's going to be yeah. a couple of wins separating both those teams, I think. Yeah, I like that. I like the like state rivalry, having them both decent like it's the first time i think since 2011 uh sorry 2012 when we'd be looking at both of them making the playoffs that mm. was when dwight howard was still in orlando and obviously you had uh, lebron's heat rolling through the through the nba so yeah exciting times for the floridians and uh the last team on our preview it is the atlanta hawks they're a team that I wouldn't say they did badly last year. They certainly didn't win a lot of games, but they did what they kind of needed to because it's a young team. They obviously had Trey Young there as kind of the young talent to take on the, the reins as the franchise guy and just kind of building around him, I think, has been the focus and seeing what he's capable of, seeing how he goes leading the team, not trying to win too many games, which uh, ended up landing them, I think, the number four pick with DeAndre Hunter. Um, yeah, which so they, so they, they traded yeah. with the Pellies for that one, yeah. Yeah, and also the number 10 pick in Cam Reddish. So they've boosted their, I guess, youth potential and they already had a pretty solid core there with Kevin Herter and John Collins as well. Do you think that the Hawks are ready to be taken seriously? Is this the year that they put it all together and say, we're here and we're not just a bunch of uh, young guys getting um, getting points on the board but we're actually here to win they're, they're certainly not gonna go back to the uh sort of Horford uh Millsap Hawk days <laughs> they're not going to be around that you know 50 plus wins that's for sure um year on year you know uh, finals lock but I can see him definitely taking a leap um not a huge one like what did they have 29 wins this past season I could see him maybe adding another eight to ten uh, okay. finishing around 40 or slightly under 40. Uh, I think that would be uh, overachieving if they did. I think that they'd be stoked to get anywhere near 40 wins. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're they're building the right way. Like, you look at these guys compared to somebody like a Charlotte Hornets, their future does look bright. Like, Trey Young, mm. legit rookie of the year candidate like this past year. John Collins has just come out of nowhere. 
Like he was just a dude when he was drafted, but he has become mm. something pretty special. Like at such a young age, and he's been in the league two years now. Like he's a he's a foundation piece for that team. But uh, there was a lot of lot of parts that have gone in and a lot of parts that have gone out of this team. Like Torian Prince, I really liked him. Uh, they traded him off to the Nets for for not much. Kent Bazemore was another guy I was a big fan of at the the guard spot for them. Um, and even Dwayne Dedman. I think he was pretty underrated as a starting or, or backup C, depending on the day for them. Yeah, he was a player that you could kind of count on. Mm, mm. But they've got a couple of couple of sort of uh, reclamation projects themselves, like Jabari Parker signed there, Chandler Parsons is there, and even Evan Turner, like the other uh, former number two overall pick that's just been a journeyman. So mm. they've got pieces, like, and they're all... Uh, sort of grouped in a in a fairly youngish youngish sort of age category there. Obviously, Vince Carter's there for his 700th season, um, <laughs> yes. which is just insane. Like, but Vince yeah. Sanity is eternal, so you can't fault that. Yeah, I'm so disappointed that the Raptors didn't try a bit harder to bring him home. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, all know, this proves that he's season. just coming back for another year after this, and then he's going to yeah. come to the Raptors. <laughs> He'll be 49 years old. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bonkers, but like they're they're certainly an ascending team. Um, you know, they're not a contender yet, but I like mm. their pieces. Alex Len, that's you know potentially going to be their starting center, like. He's another guy that's that's got that potential but needs to take that next step. Like he's shown flashes at his time mm. in Phoenix, but I don't know. I'd I'd prefer maybe Collins yeah. playing the C and going a little bit smaller. But Yeah, I don't know with Len, like whether he needs to be on the right team or whether he's just not meant to be a starting center. Because he he has like games and flashes where he'll put up the, you know, what you want from the center, which is the ten and ten and five hundred shooting, but then he'll just disappear. And like as a fantasy owner, like that's such a frustrating thing. And it's the, he's the kind of guy that you'll add for two games and then drop for for a schedule change or something. But uh, don't want to talk too much fanball here. Maybe maybe more later in the off season as we get closer to our own eight bit invitational. Hell yeah! Draft. Hell yeah! yeah. But um. <laughs> I don't know what what are your thoughts on Hunter? Like they grabbed him at four. He was he was a safe pick in the draft, and and I guess it is good for them to get someone safe that's going to balance them out at that three mm. spot. Like got good length, he can defend. He's he's got a, like a bit of a Thaddeus Young comp to him. So yeah, yeah. I think they picked a guy at the right position for their team. Like we we mentioned Collins and Young being kind of the staples at as the big and the small on the team. So having that wing that can you know, play both ends and and really produce something in the middle between those two guys is what they probably needed as far as having a big three core going ahead. So I think that, like, for all you mentioned, they're on the right trajectory. They might not be a contender, but I think they're here to be taken seriously as, you know, similar to kind of what we had in that season with KD and Westbrook before they made the playoffs. You know, it was like, we're not just throwing the ball in and, and, you know, trying to score as many points as possible. We're actually here to try and win and try and develop a winning culture within the team. Whether or not they can get enough wins to make the playoffs, I think that they're still a year away from that. I've probably got them around 32 wins, yep. which yep. is a, a small improvement on last year. But in in those wins, I think we're going to see better wins, if that makes sense. Yeah, like they'll be more see, competitive. Yeah, and I think we'll see um, Trey Young... You know, he really turned it on the second half of last season and hopefully that will continue. He's another guy that's disappointing. He's not 
coming across for the World Cup, but we talked about that last week, so I won't go on about it too much. And, you know, you, as you, I just wanted to mention, because you said about Tori and Prince and uh, Kent Bazemore getting traded, they did manage to pull in a couple of veterans with those those deals, Alan Crabb and Evan Turner, who are very serviceable backup players. And it, it could be that their experience is really valuable to these young guys who, who just need that, uh, you know, hand on the shoulder in the locker room, whatever it might be to teach them mm. the ins and outs of, of how to maneuver a, a long NBA season. So, yeah, I think if you're a Hawks fan, it's a good time after a few sadder years. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. They're they're on the upswing. Yeah. That's, that's I definitely put money on them having a good mm. noticeable improvement from this past season. Like, they're not going to make some noise in the finals yet, but yeah, a couple more years when, when Trey Young and some of these other younger guys develop a little bit more, I, I think they could be thereabouts you know mid-pack of the of the finals for the east yeah and uh that's the end of the preview but I, before we close up i wanted to talk about trey young who's in the news today as of recording this uh it'll be a few days dated by the time you hear this but he came to the defense of phoenix suns shooting guard devin booker a guy that i've very much railed on for his uh <laughs> lack of competitive attitude in just so you know episodes. Devin Booker can be part of a starting three in this NBA that can derail Rodman, Jordan and Pippen remember <laughs> so you step back son according to to Matt Tilby yeah the uh, the Phoenix Homer but uh essentially for listeners and and whoever may have missed it Booker got kind of ticked off at a squad like a I guess it was a pickup game in in a gymnasium Earlier this week, he got double teamed and he wasn't happy about it. You know, he said, I get that all season. Let's work on our game. And my man, the man, Joakim Noah was there to kind of clap back at him and say, well, this is, this is what we do. Like, this is the game. Mm. This is what we're doing. Like, and people have kind of jumped on Booker on social media saying that he's soft and like Kobe would never complain about a double team and pretty much everything you could expect. But uh, Trey Young has come to his defense saying there should be no double teaming in pickup when you're trying to work on your game and work on the moves and things you do individually in pickup. It's annoying getting double teamed in that type of setting. Just saying, hashtag, only a few understand. And I feel like exactly the same as I felt when I first saw the video. It just means that Trey Young is... It's just as bad as yeah. As, uh, they're just seven <laughs> They're just a pair of whiny bitches. Like, come on! Like, th- there is no cut and dry to how a pickup game has to go down. Obviously, you don't want to cause a punch up or anything on on the no, court, but of course not. Yeah, you want to you want to lock down the best player on that team, and if that means you've got to be sending doubles on him to to give your team a chance, whether it be pickup or in season, like you got to be equipped to deal with that. Like, stop your bitching and just just play what's in front of you. Like, mm. yeah, just self-entitled dudes, mate. Like, I'm sitting here now with my old man hat on, yeah. thinking about <laughs> players of our heyday would never have said this. You know, they would have just bloody, you know, a bit of stiff contact, let in with an elbow on a spin move and, you know, just work <laughs> their way through it. But, yeah, just, just, yeah. just shut up. It's such a August NBA off-season storyline to be talking about, but this is where we're at, so we're going to go into it. And it's really hard not to feel like that old man mentality of back in my day, but I don't know, like wh- when he says we're here to work on our game, like what does he mean? Is he wanting to work on his like hezzy step-back Jimbo? Like 
is it the shake and bake that he wants to like you know through the legs like what is he want to do that's what it sounds like be, he like, just he just wants to get some flashy moves going yeah. and it just it's just shut up it's like it's not the Harlem Globetrotters here like i know you want to have that kind of sizzle and get a cool highlight real play to then land a Kia sponsorship or whatever the hell you know but like yeah just just pound the rock you know make mm. your players around you better do what you can to make yourself better like you don't need to have some kind of Uncle Drew esque move on the court yeah. to to maintain your legacy. Like just just as as you say, man, just you got to put in the work. Yeah, and that's the thing that I'm curious about because it's not like a Phoenix Suns practice. Does that mean that he's there more to kind of have fun? Is he saying that you know I want a break from that? This isn't the time to be working on that kind of thing. But you know, in his own words, you know, let's work on our game and. Yeah. That should be getting around double teams, passing out of double teams. Exactly. Scoring over double teams. If it's going to happen in the season, then you need to work on it. Yeah. And if if you shy away from it in the off season, then people are going to know when, you know, game one comes around, let's send a double because he doesn't like it. Yeah. He's just going to pout and post about it on the socials. Like, yeah. Like if, if he just generally wanted to go there and have fun and fool around, yeah, his tweet would have been written very differently. I think he was just, whiny and and sort of stepping up with his boy Devin and, and they can just, you know, get in the corner and have a cry together and stroke one another's egos about how awesome they are. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to draw the link between their age and their attitude, but I got to think it comes back to what I was saying last week about the World Cup and just not wanting to develop, like not putting in the, the work in the offseason to develop and, and not taking the steps to be competitive where I think that coming over to a world cup playing under Popovich like just you know absorbing his basketball knowledge and IQ yeah, one like, of the best minds in NBA or basketball history yeah, like if I'm coach if I'm the Phoenix Suns coach or the manager I'm saying to Devin Booker you have a chance to go learn from Pop and you have a chance to go play with Kemba and you know Brooke Lopez and these guys who've like been deep in the playoffs like you don't have that on our team please go Please like play, work on your game, get better, come back and and know what it's like to play under the pressure of, you know, international stage, which you don't do not have in the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's I just don't understand. I, I think the big problem with this day and age, like I know we do sound like we're sixty five right now, but the social media presence has overridden the importance, I think, of of representing your country and learning from these old veterans and you know, heads of heads of the state for NBA, like a pop, like, you know, like that tweet you sort of said that, that Trey sent out, it just sounds exactly like he wants to get all his social crew on side and he wants to be able to sort of shoot some awesome highlight videos to drop on his Instagram or his Snapchat as opposed to, yeah, just go on there, represent your country, maybe playing some less minutes, but like learning mm. from the best and putting in that work to get a good foundation to build off. Like it's just this... You know, it's not just NBA though, it's sport, it's anyone in the public eye these days. The social media presence means more than the stuff from our yesteryear that we, we still value very highly today. Absolutely. And I, I love that this closing segment's just becoming a, a chance to complain about Devin Booker. But hey, I would love for him to have <laughs> an amazing season and, you know, win forty games with the Suns and score thirty points a game. It's not gonna happen, but uh Tilby, hit me up. Let, let me know what you think. 
where can people catch you on Twitter, Brendan, if they want to let you know what they think of uh, any of the crap we've been saying? You today? can find me everywhere at Brendan 8-Bit on all them socials. Um, yeah, just, just hit me up on there. You want to talk about hoops, you want to talk about games, you want to talk about uh, Marley Spoon and how I'm banning that mm. permanently, hit me up on there <laughs> because uh, I've got some stories about Marley Spoon, that's for sure putting them on blast you already hit them up on on twitter well they put did my they... ass on blast so uh it's only fair i return the favor did they offer it like compensation or anything after no you, and, and that's what people like see that's why i'm yeah. more outspoken like i emailed them said what happened and they're like oh we're sorry but we can't because you know they charge you once your box arrives they charge you for the second one sort of mm. an hour later so i've been charged for the next box coming and i'm like i don't want this thing refund it whatever i just don't want this in color like oh maybe you could gift it to your neighbor or a family member it was just like you know i know there's probably some positivity in what they're trying to say but it just felt like they were patronizing me yeah and so i i blasted them in like blasted them to a degree in the email and just sort of said what was happening and, and explained in pretty good detail what's going on and i'm waiting for an email back now but yeah it was uh yeah. not a good time not a good time from the marley spoon Oh well, it's uh, it's made for a good story on the podcast mm-hmm. at least. That's that's the at the very least. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Johnny himself. Let me know uh, whose names I've messed up or gotten wrong or confused with someone else. And uh, if if maybe we are old men complaining about the kids these days, and you've got a, a fresh take on that, let us know. And of course, you can hit up Eight Bit at We Are Eight Bit on the socials. And until next week, keep dreaming, Hoops fans. Go the Charlotte Bobcats.